Moses come up to me on the mountains and wait there, that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandments. Now, this is important. Revelation happens often in Scripture on the mountains, the things. And I talked about this before. So we have Abraham, who encounters God, right, in the lamb, in the thicket, for the sacrifice on the mountain. Jehoshaphat, the Lord will survive. That Moses, who encounters the burning bush, experiences the presence of God on the mountain. The law is given on the mountain. Elijah, the prophet, goes up. Uh, running from the prophets of Baal, the false god, and in a still small voice on the mountain, he hears the word of God. Jesus goes up and gets one of his most famous sermons, which we call the Sermon on the Mount. The mountain, alright? And then we read with the Transfiguration, Matthew 17, 1. After six days, six days of what? Now read chapter 4. So six days after Peter confessed Jesus as the Christ, <coughs> Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain. Alright? So that's what it says. And that's what it says in the gospel. The gospel is in your head. Like, hey, if you know the scriptures, revelation about that. Alright? When we go up the mountain, we're going to experience Revelations of God. So, we must know that that's the setting and this is the purpose. So, the second thing we see in this story, the most important thing, the event itself, the transfiguration, is the life of Christ. And that, I want to talk about this, but I want to read something to you. Exodus 24 15 says, In the clouds cover the mountains. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered for six days. So the glory of the Lord is present. And then it goes on to say in verse 17, Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on top of the mountain. One of my favorite things about Scripture is when it's trying to describe stuff that can't be described, it's like, it's like a cloud, but it's like a devouring fire. Okay, that, that's cool. <laughs> right? And the people, remember I told you this before, what did the people of Israel do when they saw the glory of God? They were terrified. They said, hey, honey, you know what I was there. We're going to stay for nine years. You know, I had friends who had no fear of fire when I was a kid. They would pour gasoline, they pour gasoline and grab it by pocket and set it on fire. How they kept all their weapons off over that. Me, I'm not the biggest fan of fire. If there's a big old fire and you want to go in, I'll say, we go on over there and I'll stay right here. And one of the things, one of the many things I didn't count when I was going to Navy was, well, guess what? Every sailor, from the commander to the chaplain, has to learn how to do a firefighter. How excited do you think I am? <laughs> Alright? 
It is not the ability to the training I've ever had is terrifying, but they have lived in a warehouse with great grazing floors and boilers and fire comes up in the floor. That's just not happening. And you get in there, when you're having your team, you have to learn how to put out fire. Because if you're in the middle of the ocean and the ship has on fire, yeah, he's put it out. Everybody, you all right? So, but as we were standing out there, ready to go in, you know what I wanted to say? You gotta go over there. I'm gonna wait right here, all right? So the glory of the Lord comes down from the mountain. It is terrifying. It's like a devouring fire, and the people are terrified. It's pretty cool. Then Matthew 17, 12, it says of Jesus, and he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as white. Then I thought about this, I thought about this word white, right? Because when you try to describe something, and you don't really know how to say it, you say, look, it's like this. And so we have this. The scripture is going to Lord on mountain, like a cloud, and it's in like an devouring fire, and Jesus shows like the sun. But something that I want to point out to you, this is a distinction that is subtle that I want to draw from. The reason that the light of Jesus, when he's transfigured, is like the light of the sun. It's because the light of Jesus is uncreated light. You see, it's not like the light of the sun. It's not the same, rather, as the sun. It's not the same as that light which we know and perceive. It's not the same as the light of nuclear fission. The light which burst forth from Jesus Christ is the very light of God, and therefore is uncreated light. This is a distinction that is important for you to understand. Because often when we think about God, we think about God as simply the biggest version of whatever this thing you think about. Right? So we think about God like they have a really good father who you love. A lot of people show us this because they don't have a good father, right? But if you've got a good father you love, and we talk about God as Father, you can be God, but it's a better version of that, right? <laughs> and so often, we, because we are creatures and we're in this little close box, when we think about God, we think about God as just the greatest version of what we already know. He's the greatest creature. But what I'm going to challenge you to consider is that that is totally in fact wrong. That God it's so far beyond the greatest creature that we can imagine because he is not a creature inside of us. That God himself exists outside of what is created. And the scriptures teach, and the church teaches that God created ex nihilo, out of nothing. So out of nothing, God created all this, and he is outside of it. And what is so compelling about the transfiguration and the incarnation is that God was outside of time in the person of Jesus Christ, the eternal word of God, in your time, 
and became man. That is what we claim as Christians. That God who is himself not a creature became a creature. God who is not bound by time entered into time. And so when Jesus is transfigured before the apostles and he shines, quote, like the sun, the light which bursts forth from him is not created light, but it is in fact the uncreated light of God. That is the distinction that I want to point out today. If you believe with nothing else, even if you don't understand it, it's a new thing. That's what I want to agree with. Even if you think I'm weird. But I want to point out to you that I try to remind you that we put these icons up because they teach the faith. And we have here, and this is a good paradigm, we have the ascension of Christ entering into heaven. We have the transfiguration of Christ with the raised birth of birth forth. And I want you to notice something. You see this little orb? See the little circle around Jesus? Some of you got glasses on you, some of you got the mask. And so the, the light around Christ, what the icon conveys to us, is that eternity is coming in time. That that which is outside of time is bursting into time. That which separates time from eternity is broken. That's certain the name of God. The ascension being one of them, transfiguration being another. So, all of that is to say this. The transfiguration of Jesus Christ was the witness of the uncreated life of God, which is better than nuclear fusion. See? All that, look at that. All that work we did, God, is there, okay? So, thanks for sticking with me. The next thing you see here is this idea of dwelling in the presence of God. It says in Exodus 24 15, the glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered his days. In Matthew 17 4, it says, and Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents. There are many things I love about Peter. There's all the things that Jesus said in the scriptures and things like that. And in fact, I think in the, uh, the Mark, Mark version of the story, Mark says that of Peter, he didn't know what he said. He didn't know what he said. Peter, is overwhelmed. Okay, picture this. He sees Jesus transfigured before him, shining, quote, like the sun. And appearing with him are Moses and Elijah, the two greatest prophets of Israel. And all he can think to say is, this is pretty good. Right? That's a pretty good time. And I was there on that mountain. Listen. By and by, they have to learn multiple times every day and all have to show up. Right? If I was on this mountain, I'm pretty sure that I would also say, this is pretty good. We should stay here. Now, I, I want to understand part of what he said. He, when he says, we will build here a king. One of the famous feasts of Israel is the feast of booths. There are feasts of tabernacles where people go out and they set up little tents and they stay there. And what is that? This is the symbol. Is this something else? 
is supposed to symbolize when God fulfills all his promises and the Messiah comes and God comes and dwells with man. Does he go out there on those things that we dwell there in the presence of God? It looks forward to the fulfillment of the promise of God and it also looks backward to the journey for the people that are in the wilderness because what was in the middle of the camp? The camp of meeting or the tabernacle. And what was in the tabernacle? The tablets of the law, the ark. And if God's presence was there as a pillar of cloud by day, and a pillar of fire by night, and the people dwelt in the presence of God. So when God is present among us, we say, this is good. We should stay here. And at the end of the Mass, when I read what we call the first gospel, the gospel of John, John 1, 1 through 14, and it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. You know what that word is? The Greek tabernacle. He took up the tabernacle among us. All of the promises of God are fulfilled in Jesus Christ, in His presence. And Peter speaks back and says, You know what, God? This is good. Let's say right here. Man, what if we have that same attitude? That when we are in God's presence, nothing else matters to us. To the point that we say, You know what I have to do? I will sit and sit right here. We can set up and put like 20 minutes right here. Have it all throughout here. It'll be great. And so, what I want you to understand is that being in the presence of God is peace. It is true peace. It is shalom. It is the peace we search for. And in the book of Hebrews, in the New Testament, it talks about the Sabbath rest of the people of God. And you know what will happen at that rest? At that rest, we will find the spirit in Revelation it says that in the center of the new Jerusalem is the Lamb. And the Lamb is itself the temple. It is the tabernacle we live in. And that's all it says. The next thing you see is the glory of the Lord. So the next day, 24 16. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. So the glory of the Lord rest for six days on the mountain. And on the seventh day, the Lord called to Moses. In Matthew 17 5, instead of Jesus and Peter, he was still speaking when he holds a bright cloud from the shadow of as the king did. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. The voice of God gives us wisdom. The voice of God calls us to listen to Christ, who is the Lord of God. Christ is the new law. Moses goes up on the mountain, and he receives the law of God. The apostles go up on the mountain of Christ, and they receive the new law. 